Welcome my beautiful wife as she comes to minister the word today. Give her a great big hand as she comes. Good morning. All right. This is such an amazing day. The presence of God so strong this morning. And before I start, I just want to um I just want to give you a word that I felt like he was giving me when I was sitting there. And and I know when it's him and not me because it's just like she could just feel the presence of God, just like a, that warm blanket um, Pastor Troy talked about. But he, he gave me a word to share with you that, and this isn't my message, but just to keep your eyes so fixed on him. Like the, all of the distractions that are around you, and I, I know that some of you have probably heard that before, but, but just to glare into his eyes. Keeping your eyes, just staring into his eyes. And the more that you stare into his eyes, that's where the peace will come. That's where the healing will come. That's where the, the, the emotions that, that can be only fulfilled through him, through his gaze. That's where the, um, the healing comes from, not, not just physical healing, but emotional, mental healing. All of the, the provision that he has for you when you're staring and glaring, gazing, focused, fixed upon his eyes, looking into him, his face. And when you're finished, this is the cool part about God. When, when you're finished, which you, we never want to finish, right? And stop looking into his eyes. But you're, what you're looking at is what you reflect. And so when you're able to go out into other people and, and be in the presence of your family and your loved ones and, and in your workplace, you reflect him. You see the way that he sees. You see the way that he looks at those people. Even the ugliness, you don't see that anymore. You just see them in love. And you're able to bring your father's eyes into every situation. Every situation, that's the way that you're able to look at it. So keep your eyes fixed upon him. Keep your eyes staring into his face, looking into him in his presence. So let's pray before we start into the word this morning. Father, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence, God. We don't want to move. We don't want to breathe, Father, without your presence. We need you, God, in this place. We need you in our life. We need you in our families. We are desperate for you, Father. We are desperate for your work, for your touch, for your word. God, just like the, um, the treasure that was buried, we will sell it all to just have your word. We will give it all to have your word, Father, your presence in our life. We need you. We love you. Holy Spirit, come and speak to our heart this morning. God, help us to hear your voice like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for watching online. I have some encouraging words to share with you this morning. I want to encourage you. I want to, um, to just pray that you have strength through God's word today. It's called The Providence of God at Work. And this is in the book of Ruth. And in the book of Ruth, I know that, that sometimes it's like, oh, that's a girl. It's named after a girl. Like, it's a girl chapter, right? But, but guys, listen. Like, God is speaking through this, through this book with you. Right, Ruth? We've got our very own Elder Ruth here. We match, too, this morning, or twinning. So Ruth was such a powerful vessel that God used. And I'm going to give you a little summary. So if you haven't um, read the, the book of Ruth, it's really short chapter. It's easy. You can read it in, you know, just a quick sitting. But so go back and read it. It's in the Old Testament. And the book of Ruth talk, tells a story about a woman and Naomi. 
And her, Ruth is actually her daughter-in-law. And she's married and she has to move away from her, her hometown of Bethlehem. And she goes to Moab because there was a famine in their hometown and they had to move away. And so when they moved away, they, um, she got married there. Or I'm sorry, Naomi was married. But her, her sons, her two sons got married there to Moabite women. And they, they, they died. Her husband died. Her sons died. And so back then, like that is, that's really... I mean, it's, it's a struggle now, but it was really a struggle then because they had nobody. They had nothing to take care of them. So she finally learned that they could go back to their hometown because that God had blessed the land again. And she went back to her hometown. And so um, we pick up here in the book of Ruth, the first chapter. But I want to talk to you first about loyalty. The book of Ruth really shows loyalty and faithfulness. Loyalty and faithfulness. And I feel like it's such a lost, um, a lost characteristic in our world today because it's a lot of a, a lot, it's about ourself, right? It's about ourselves. Treat yourself. Um, I can do it. I don't need anybody else. It's a lot of humanism going on in our society today. And so here we're learning about loyalty through, through Ruth. And loyalty is showing firm and constant support. Unconditional, not based on how you feel, because a lot of times we don't feel like being loyal because I want it to be about me, right? We're selfish. Or based on circumstances. It's being faithful no matter what, because God is always faithful. God is always loyal. No matter what, he stays selfless. And you know what the best part is? No matter if you are being unloyal, he's still loyal. He's still faithful. Thank God. Because if, if, you know, he still, he knew what we were going to do or what we weren't going to do and still chose to die on the cross for us. And so it's an unconditional kind of faithfulness. It's an unconditional kind of loyalty, even in the midst of circumstances that are hard. Even when other people don't deserve it, God remains faithful and we can have that kind of faithfulness and loyalty. So in Ruth 1, Verse 16, it says, But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. She remained faithful and loyal, even when she could get nothing in return. See, because in this part of the, um, the chapter here, and I love, a lot of times that, that verse is shared at like weddings, but this was mother-in-law, this was daughter-in-law to her mother-in-law which it definitely applies in, in weddings because they're, you know, being selfless and, and giving themselves to God here. But the, the second verse here in 17, it also, I didn't have it up there, but I'm just going to read it to you. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do the same to me as he has done to you. And more also, if anything but death separates me from you. And so this speaks here for us, I will die to myself. I will die to my flesh. I will daily choose to die to myself and I will trust God here. She is trusting in God. She said, your God will be my God. I trust in God here. And the, the part about getting nothing in return, see, so she urged and begged and said, no, you guys stay. Her daughter-in-law, Orpah, you stay here. Ruth, you stay here. You, you go find, find somebody else to marry. I can't. I have nothing for you. I'm going to go back and, and try to, you know, live with my family back in Bethlehem. You, you stay here. And she said no. Knowing that she had nothing for her, 
nothing in return. Because it's easy to do something for people when you know you're going to get, like, you know, an attaboy, right? Or when you're going to get paid. Or when you're going to get, you know, something. That's why I always say, like, I don't know if you guys heard me say this before, but I do say this a lot, so now you'll hear it. I always say that the nursery workers and the bubble room workers, those hidden faithful people, and there's so many more than just that, that that are so faithful in serving God, but it's just a good example. They're going to have the biggest biggest, um, palace in heaven, right? Because they're the hidden ones that are so faithful and so faithful to God's word. And there's so many of you like that here. And it's not just in the nursery. It's just, you know, I'm always giving my push for that. That's commercial number one. Sign up for children's ministry. <laughs> we'll see how many I can get to. One time they, they counted like three, but I really don't do it on purpose, you guys. It's just in me. I can't, I can't help it. I love those kids so much. I think it's because Jesus does. So God sees and notices your love and loyalty and honor. He sees your obedience. Where are our faithful ones at? It's a, it's a time of faithlessness. It's a time of disloyalty right now in our gener- in, not just in, in society, but like in the church. Like people can't sit still for long enough. I'm offended. I have to go. Or God's calling me somewhere else. Stop blaming it on God and be faithful. We, we say so much, God's doing this, God's doing that. And sometimes I'm not sure if we even really asked him. Right? Did you ask him? Because he might say, no, sit down and be faithful no matter what. Sit down and be loyal no matter what. When you can't get anything in return. Do it for me because I'm the one that sees. I'm the one that hears everything that you're doing. Even in secret, God sees. And God hears. There are so many faithful saints, I feel like, as, as just the years have gone by, that have gone on to be with the Lord. I had on my, um, my memories just um, yesterday, Elder Jim Johnson, and, and, and he and his faithfulness, who's going to step up into his shoes? Right? We're called to do that. We've got to take the place and step into their shoes and be those faithful ones. He, Pastor Troy had a video of him. He was dropping off the bread. Every week, he would go get the bread or the baked goods or whatever was left from a grocery store that they gave to the church, and he would bring it in. He was like 90-something, you guys. Come on. Like, we don't have an excuse, right? We can do this. We can be faithful. God called us to be faithful. There was nobody even here that day. There was nobody here. Nobody was watching him do that. God saw it. God saw it. He sees everything. He sees the secret, the secret prayers that you don't give up on. He sees it when you're before his throne room in heaven, bringing your family before him. He sees it. He, he catches every single one of those tears, right, that saturate the, the carpet or the pillow in your bed. It's like a, a seed that's growing. It is not going to return void to him. It will do what his word has said to accomplish for it to do. So it's encouraging in our faithfulness. He is faithful too. In Ruth 2, verse 10, now she went back to her own, back to her hometown. I'm just going to summarize a little bit and then read a little bit here for you to catch you up. But she went back to her hometown and they, you know, it was a small town. So a lot of people knew her and she's like, well, we've got to get something. So go into these fields. We have some relatives that have some fields that you can go glean from. And, and, you know, it was the beginning of the barley season, which lasts four months. And so to me, it speaks of a time period. So she's also being faithful to work and go and work and get something that she needs for um, her and Naomi, her mother-in-law. And so she went back and she's now working in the field to, to pick up. And in there, 
they were supposed to be leaving extra for people that were in need. So they would leave, they would leave a little bit. They would let people that were poor come and glean and get the, um, the wheat and the barley and that, the food that they needed for their family. So Ruth 2.10 says, Then she kneeled face downward, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should notice me when I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered her, I have been made fully aware of everything that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth, and have come to a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for your kindness, and may your reward be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. That is the safest place. In the will of your father. The safest place. Sometimes it doesn't feel so good. She's in a land where she does not know. She had to trust God. She had to be selfless and put her will down, what she wanted to do down, and go and do what she knew that God was calling her to do. And this part is really cool too. Because she had been heard about. Said, I have been made fully aware Do you think that the God in heaven is not fully aware of your faithfulness? Be encouraged today. He sees your faithfulness. Mothers and fathers that are faithful, raising your children. And fathers, let me tell you, the power that you have. Fathers watching online. If you're at home and you're able to, you better get here. You need to be here because you know that your children are more likely to follow If you're here, they're more likely to serve God. They're more likely to read their Bible if you're the one waking up and leading them in devotion and reading their Bible. We've got to do better, right, church? We've got to do better. Your faithfulness will be rewarded for generations to come, and we're going to find out about that. But he cares about every detail. Your character matters to him. Your selflessness, your loyalty, your unconditional love when you can't get anything in return and you're tired and weary maybe from it. He cares about every single one of those details and he sees. When you are constant and you don't quit, he sees. He sees every single detail. And in verse 20, this is where Naomi learns that he is a relative He is a relative that can possibly help them. So in verse 20, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed of the Lord who has not ceased his kindness. To the living and to the dead, again, Naomi said to her, The man is one of our closest relatives who has the right to redeem us. She blesses the Lord. This brought hope to arise again. Do you know that you bring hope to other people around you? You bring hope. When you're faithful and you're loyal, it brings hope to people that are around you. So now we're at a point where Naomi's able to teach Ruth what to do. Naomi, go. This is what you do. You need to go and, and follow and do exactly what I say. Follow and glean from his field. Only glean from his field. And pick up and, and follow and do exactly what he tells you to do. And so they gain favor in the eyes of Boaz. And you know what? I love this part about Ruth also. She shows honor to Naomi. She shows honor to Naomi because she didn't do it her own way. She also said, in her loyalty, she also said 
you know what? I'm going to listen to your instructions. And I'm going to do exactly as you tell me to do. I love that. We need to have spiritual mothers and fathers that we can go to. Stop, stop trying to do it on your own, right? Stop trying to do it on your own. Go and get advice. Go get advice. And, and I don't even mean if you're just a young person, especially young people. But listen, listen to spiritual mothers and fathers, that, people that, that are demonstrating the fruit in their life, that they are believers and following after God, not just anybody. Go to somebody that you know that you know hears from God and ask them. Stop trying to do things on your own. Ask them, what do you think I should do? What does God's word say about this? Become a disciple. Become a disciple of God's word. That's why life groups are so important. Because you're around people and family that can speak into your heart and to speak God's word into your life. And you can get a word from them. It's a place of protection. Verse 22, Naomi said to Ruth, it is good, my daughter, for you to go out and work with the maids so that the others do not assault you in another field. He also put her in a place of protection. When you're honoring and you're faithful and you're constant, you are in a place of protection under God's will. Number two, we learn to have a teachable and obedient heart. A teachable and obedient heart. She tells Ruth how to present, her, present herself to Boaz. She tells her how to go in and, 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 and what she needs to do to make sure that, that Boaz knows that she is available for marriage. This is what you need to do. You need to do it the honorable way and go and, you know, after the, the, the harvest, go and lay at his feet and you can go back and read it for yourself, all the details there. But in Ruth 3, 5, it says, Ruth answered her, I will do everything that you say. I will do everything that you say. See, there was so much preparation before it even got to this point. Do you see the first couple chapters? There was so much preparation. Ruth had to surrender her own self, surrender her will, say, I follow after your God. I will trust in your God. I will go. She had to leave everything that she knew, her family, her parents, her, her hometown, and she was being prepared for something here in Ruth 3. She had a teachable and obedient heart. Well, we do everything that God instructs us to do. We can't leave it out. We can't leave any of it out. We can't leave it based on circumstances. God, I will trust you with my finances if I have enough, I'll, then I'll go tithe this month. If I have enough, then I'll give my offering. You know what? If I don't have a headache and I'm not sick, then I'll go and work in the nursery. Or if I can make it to life group, or if I can do this, or if I can pray with this person, then I'll go and do it. But do you know that when you walk out in faithful obedience, God takes care of the rest. He takes care of the rest. That is a place that he, when we're broken before him and we have nothing left to give, that is the safest place. That is when he can pour out. He can pour out himself in our life. Because Orpah went home. It was based on circumstances for her. You know, she said, no, no, I'm not going to leave you. But then she said, okay, bye, I'm going to leave. You said go twice, I'm leaving, bye. Right? And she went. Sorry, Orpah, I feel bad. Maybe she was a good person. I don't know. I'm sure she was. But she left. She left. I don't want to be her. I don't want to be the person that was based on circumstances. You have nothing left for me. You told me to go. You know what? I'm going to go. I don't, I, don't have to, I don't have to stay faithful. I don't have to stay loyal here. 
Don't leave when conditions change. Don't leave God's throne room when you, don't stop praying because you didn't get the answer to that prayer yet. Don't stop hungering. Don't give up because you haven't seen a change yet. Stay faithful. Stay faithful because he knows the end and we know the end. God wins. God wins even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it. He wins. She she demonstrated honor and loyalty in her obedience by doing exactly what Naomi instructed, which brings honor to God, which ultimately brings honor to God. Your loyal honor and obedient heart gets God's attention. Listen, even when you think other people are wrong, you know what? They might be wrong. They probably are. You're probably right, right? (laughs) They might be wrong, but no, really, even when people do you wrong, stay in a place of honor. Stay in a place of honor. Hands up. God, I surrender. I give them to you, and I'm going to love them no matter what. I'm going to stay faithful no matter what, not how I feel. Even when they're wrong, I'm going to stay faithful because it gets God's attention. You get God's attention. And the best part about it, my favorite part, is it not only blesses you, but it blesses generations to come. It will bless generations to come after you. God can do so much with the teachable heart. He can do so much. What do you want to pass on to your grandkids? And I know if you're young in here, you're like, grandkids, man, I'm not even thinking about that yet. But let me tell you, if you can grab a hold of this now, you can keep yourself from so much pain and suffering because who knows what happened to Orpah when she went back, right? But I know what happened to Ruth. I know what happened to Ruth and her genealogy after her. God can do so much with a teachable heart. In Mark 4, 24 and 25, it says, Then he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By your own standard of measurement, that is to the extent that, that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it will be measured to you. And you will be given even greater ability to respond. Mm. And more will be given to you besides. Verse 25. For whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given. And this part, this part, this part is hard, but it's in the Bible. And it says, and whoever does not have a yearning for truth, even what he has will be taken away from him. That's hard, church. I don't ever want to be in a place like that. That is a scary place to be. God doesn't need us to be perfect. Only he can be perfect. Right? Only he can. Because if we were perfect, then the cross means nothing. And the cross cost way too much. There is nothing that we can do. But when you have a teachable heart and you want to know more, you want godly wisdom and you're going after godly wisdom and you're being faithful to it, more understanding will be given to you. More understanding. But if not, it will be taken away. I don't want to be like Orpah. She left. She left. And I don't know if it was taken away from her. But she left. She left that safe place. God, give me a yearning for truth. Give me a yearning for truth. A yearning is an intense longing. Psalm 119.34, it says, Give me understanding, a teachable heart, and the ability to learn, that I may keep your law, your word, 
and observe it with all of my heart, to practice it, to apply it to every area of my life. Let's just lift our hands up right there for a second. Father, help us to never take your word lightly, God. Help us to never take that still, small voice that we hear lightly, Father. We don't want you to stop speaking. We never want you to stop speaking to our heart, God. Give us ears to hear what your word is speaking, what you are saying to us, Father. Give us a teachable heart. Help us to hear your word and take it and apply it to every area of our life, God. We thank you for your word. We are thankful for your word. We are thankful for Holy Spirit, our comforter, our friend. God, that teaches us and speaks to our heart. Thank you, Jesus. Boaz was impressed by Ruth's loyal character. He said, I, I heard about you. I heard about you. I know all that you've done for your mother-in-law. God sees all that you're doing. He sees your teachable heart, and you're going to get more. You're going to be able to have more understanding, more wisdom that you're, gonna, that, that you're going to have in your heart because of your obedient and teachable, loyal heart to God. And number three, it brings redemptive blessings. Redemptive blessings come. The kinsman redeemer. So in their culture, in um, Ruth 3 and 4, there's a kinsman redeemer. Boaz is the kinsman redeemer here. So if a, um, if a family, if a husband dies, the son dies, then the, the mother, the, wi the widow, and the wives are able to have a kinsman redeemer. And so a relative can marry them, can buy their land, can provide for them, and then they're saved under that kinsman redeemer. And so Boaz came and said, I am your kinsman redeemer, but there's somebody else. So we have to go make sure that he doesn't, he has the right to go before me because he's closer. He's a closer relative. And when he found out that, oh, I got to marry a, Moab, a Moabite woman, eh, never mind, I'm good. I don't want to do that. But not Boaz. Because you know what? Boaz saw her heart. Boaz saw Ruth's character. Isn't that just like God? That's just like God. We might look like, ew, to other people. Maybe even to yourself. God, I'm not worthy of this. God sees your heart. God sees your heart. He knows what's inside of your heart. Ruth was able to usher in Jesus through her genealogy. You and I bring Jesus into the room. We bring Jesus into the lives of others through our loyalty and our faithfulness to him. You point others to the cross. You point others to the cross. It brings restoration and healing, the providence of God. So you might think that your loyalty and obedience and honor is mundane, going through the same mundane things every day, waking up, getting in your word, being faithful, bringing the bread, right? Going to, going to get the bread, bring, getting a gift off the tree, a gift tag off the tree, coming in, vacuuming or cleaning or volunteering or, or doing the, the, the food pantry or, or picking somebody up for church or just making a phone call and telling somebody. You might think those things are mundane, but they're not. They're not. God is in those details. He's in every single one of those details. It's the providence of God at work. Remain steadfast and firm, constant, even if you don't think they deserve it, because it's for him. 
It's not for you. It's not for me. It is for him. And you can bring every God's redemptive blessings into it. Jesus is attracted to it, church. He's attracted to that. That is a good place to be. I want Jesus to be attracted to me. I don't want him to be like, oh, she's in her flesh again. She stinks, right? But he still loves us. He can love even our stink. He can still love us. It ushers in his redemptive will and purpose into my life and to the lives of others. In Ruth 3.18, I just want to read this part to you real quick. It's not, it's not up there either, but it says, Then Naomi said, Sit and wait, my daughter, until you learn how this matter turns out. For the man will not rest until he has settled it today. So he had to go before the officials in the, in the town and make sure that this was okay, that he could redeem them as, his, as the kinsman redeemer. Sit and wait, she said. It will be settled today. And I feel like that is a word from God right now, to trust God that he is working on your behalf. I want you, church, to hear the voice of Holy Spirit say, sit and wait. Just sit and wait. He is settling it for you. He has settled it for you on the cross. He is settling it before the Father in the throne room in the Holy of Holies. You are healed. You are whole. Your family is healed. You have the joy of the Lord. He is your strength. He is your peace. He will settle it today. Just sit and wait. Sit and wait in his presence. It is the best place to be. He is working on your behalf. Her faithfulness and loyalty ushered in the obedience. Ushered in Jesus through her genealogy. What are you ushering in today? Who are you ushering in? Are you bringing Jesus into the room? Are you pointing other people to the cross? And in my closing, when you have that teachable heart, you usher in the providence of God. Because at the end here, we find out in Ruth 4, the redemptive blessings come through Jesus, the kinsman redeemer. He longs for you to come close to him. He longs for you to come and look and gaze into his eyes and just nothing else, like keep, keep blinders on and just gaze into his eyes. Focus on him. Focus on what he is saying. Stare into his eyes. Stay there with him. He longs for you to come close to him, church. He's in every detail. He's in every single detail of your heart. And, and here in the, when he redeems them, Ruth is able to, um, to have a baby. In Ruth 4, 10, it, it says, I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, to be my wife, to restore the name of the deceased to his inheritance, so that the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his brothers or from the gate of his birthplace. You are witnesses today. Your inheritance matters to him. Your inheritance, your future, your children after you, it matters to God. It all matters to him. And in verse 415, it says, May he also be to you the one who restores life and sustains your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. He's the God who restores life. Because they had a son, Obed, the worshiper, the father of Jesse, all the way down to David, all the way down, who ushered in Jesus. Ushered in Jesus. 
He wants to redeem and restore your life today. So your obedience to him, your teachable heart, your loyal faithfulness to him, when you remain constant and firm, you bring in the providence of God into your life, but into the lives of others. And down through the genealogy, they ushered in Jesus. You can point others to Jesus. You can point others to the cross by the way that you're faithful and loyal to him. Your faithfulness matters. So I want to encourage you to be faithful. In a world that's, that's faithless, in a world that is all about ourselves, where we just come in real quick to, to feel better about ourselves, be faithful to God. And watch his redemptive blessings. Watch him bring restoration into your family. Watch him bring restoration into every relationship. Watch him bring healing into your heart, into others around you, even when they don't deserve it, right? All right, everybody stand up with me. We're going to close in prayer together. Father, we thank you for your word today, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. God, we never want to take it lightly, your presence in our life. Your word, God. Your word is life to us. Thank you for the kinsman redeemer. That you took it all on the cross for me, God. Father, I just speak, um, Father, your, your blessings over your church today. God, I pray that you would put a faithfulness in the heart of your people today, God. God, that they will feel your presence, Father, urging them and pulling them on, that they will have a hunger for your word, that you will give them even more, God. A teachable heart as you give them more, Father. They will have greater wisdom. They will be closer to you, God that they will bring you in every room that they enter. Every life that they enter, God, they will bring Jesus to others. God, I pray right now that you are restoring families, God. That you are restoring relationships right now, God. That you are restoring lives. Father, I thank you for restoration. I thank you for peace. God, I thank you that you will just teach your church, God, to sit and wait that it is settled today, that it is a word from you, that you will not rest until it is settled. Thank you, God, that all we have to do is sit and wait in your presence. You are the restorer. And I just want to pray right now, if anybody that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray with you. If you're watching online, I want to pray with you. I want you to know that you know that you know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There is no safer place to be. So pray with me, church. Father, we just thank you, God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, God. Thank you for your only son that you sent to die for me. That you sent, God, no matter what, you already died for us long, long ago, Father, when you knew that you were going to have to take all of the sickness, 
all of our faithlessness and our selfishness, you were still faithful and you called us worthy enough. You called me worthy enough, God, to die for. We love you, Jesus. Please forgive us of our sins. We ask you to come into our heart. God, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to live for you, Father. Teach me, Holy Spirit, how to hear your voice. Give me a teachable heart to discern and understand your word, God. Help me to be a restorer. Help me to bring restoration into the lives of others and point people to the cross. I want to point people to you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, church. We love you. We are praying for you. I pray for you every day. I bless your families. Come back on Wednesday night. Live right, love everybody, and pray hard. And the altars are always open if you need someone to pray.